Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and streamed show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views opinions or position of film and tv review.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates film and tv review.com makes no representations as to accuracy completeness correctness suitability or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only episodes may contain adult humor and language for full terms and conditions see film and tv review.com Oh, hello there, and welcome to our monthly roundup of film and TV. Um, I'm joined for quite a few regulars, and I'm, I guess, your host today, it's Jason. So, um, quite a few releases in this month. So, uh, we'll kick off with film I saw, and a few other people did. Uh, that is A Haunting in Venice. That was uh, Kenneth Branagh reprising the role of Faro. Um I think a very short story by Agatha Christie. Uh, nice little murder mystery in uh, in Venice. So, um, who saw this? This um, which came out recently in the cinemas. Um, Andrew, you saw this. What What did you think? Uh, and thinking, of course, this is like the third one or third little story that's been adapted. What did you think of this compared to the other ones? Uh, well, first off, I just want to mention I saw it at an advanced screening where they were. Uh, as a promotional thing, giving away free cocktails. So uh, that was already like, okay, well, this is a great screening because they're giving away free stuff, uh, cocktails. But um, as for the film itself, um, just a little bit of background. Uh, unlike the previous two Kenneth Branagh, Branagh uh, films, uh, this is not, I mean, it's sort of an adaptation of an Agatha Christie story, but it's not like a little bit more looser adaptation, I guess is the best way to put it. Like the other two were uh, Murder on the Orient Express and uh, Death on the Nile. And those are based on those stories. And then this is based on a story called Halloween Party, which is set somewhere in England and... It's set, I think, what it was then the present day, I guess it was written in the late 60s. This is set in the 
uh, well, set in Venice, obviously, vital, what it says on the tin, uh, but it's also set in terms of time period just after World War II. And that's like a key plot thing that it's set just after, you know, set when it's set. So that being said, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was all right. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know, my, I'm trying to think if uh, I liked it compared to the other two. Uh, I mean, I thought it was all right, but it's maybe not something that would stand out too much. Um, I, I mean, I like the acting and all the little, uh, you know, plot revelations and uh, Kenneth Branagh uh, again uh, as Hercule Poirot. You know, he's all right. Um, mm -hmm. so. Well, I've got to say, actually, the general film itself, though. I mean, it was it was one of those. As you say, a short story where I don't think audiences and I wasn't as familiar with it is as the previous adaptations, like Death of an Arm, I don't know, or in the specs. So it's kind of like a bit more of a nice little non spoilery surprise as it ate a relatively unknown um, episode. And I think it was definitely, I'm not a fan of Kenneth Brother as Poirot, quite honestly. I just did not like it at all. But this one, he was actually. It was the way it was directed. It, it was quite good. It was he was. Uh, it wasn't so overblown, kind of like a fashion parade. It was quite dark lighting. Uh, a nice little murder mystery does exactly what he's done. I I kind of enjoyed it relatively. Relatively, if you didn't like the other two, I, I think you'd like this one. I think. I think because there's a freshness to it, as if it's not. You know, we've seen the previous adaptations. You know, year in year out through the decades of you know, Murder of the Orient Express and and definitely But I think this one was bit more quite fun nice creepy and it was actually did what it said on the tin honestly but um oh i just want to add i think the yeah, reason sure. that they did it the way they did it i mean yeah i guess it's part of the story but it's also a way to keep the budget low i mean yeah, yeah. they shot on location in venice uh they did all the scenes you know showing the canals and all that but a lot of it's just set in that space mm. so it kind of keeps the uh budget down by doing yeah. that very much kind of like merry globe lighting as in almost seems like natural lighting where you've got a small little central light in the room and then everything else is, is darkness you can't see i think actually the atmosphere but sometimes i'm thinking oh it'd be nice to see what the costumes were like or anything like that but it, it's um i think i think it, i i kind of liked it um right anyone else see that by the way anyone uh oh yeah it's richard yes what did you think of it yeah um yeah, out of the three movies uh, with Kenneth Branagh as El Caparo, for me, is definitely my favorite one. Now, that being said, why is that? Uh, for uh, for Orient Express, and I watched Death on the Nile back in the day, the, the first version, etc. So this one was a complete surprise to me. Uh, and obviously, I didn't know who the murderer would be. So that's, that was funnier. Than actually the Orient Express one and uh, and Death on the Nile. Uh, now that being said, I also think actually it's a better movie. Uh, the reason would be that, well, there are two main reasons why I feel this way. Um, for me, the first one and even the second one was in a way just make a movie as a reason to gather as many stars as you can. 
just actually to sell the movie, you are going to put like a huge cast, a bit like Expendables. <laughs> you can have a poster with a big name, maybe we're Johnny Depp and Mitha Pfeiffer and etc. Okay, cool. And then the second one, you have now we have Gal Gadot because she's Wonder Woman and you have this one, this one. Okay, cool. Now you're going to say, yes, of course, this one in Hunting uh, in Venice. Yes, they had a couple of big names, but big names... Not superstars, in my opinion, in the end, when you think about it. Let's take out Kenneth Branagh, who is also the director. In the cast, now I think about it, like a superstar, Michelle Yeoh. But Michelle Yeoh is an Oscar winner, but she's not ultra well-known. She's well-known for moviegoers, and that's all, I guess. Uh, and who else? Tina Fey, but she's a comedian. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously thinking that it is maybe... A lesser known cast and in a way I, I appreciate that because they fo you focus more not on the face that you recognize but you focus more on the story on the direction and uh, everything else and i thought actually that obviously it's you it's using that's the second reason why i like it because i think it's using a lot of um direction uh gimmicks of, a lot, from horror movies or mystery movies etc but it works. Uh, obviously, I think it works. I, I, I did have some a few jump scares. It worked on me, to be honest. And uh, that's a good sign, to be honest. Compared to the two others who were, for me, very, very standard, very basic direction. And there's nothing I remember that surprised me in the direction of the first two movies. Uh, and also, I don't know, again, I would like to, to re read the, the, the original short story. Because I think that it's the first time also that there is, uh, you learn more about the character played by Kenneth Branagh, uh, and it's more centered about his himself, and also in a way, not going too much into spoilers, but in a way through him and through another character, you can see what it has been like for him growing up. And uh, and you learn a lot about him, etc., compared to the uh, two other movies. And they managed to do that in a very, very nice way in regards to writing. Uh, it's not too much. And uh, it's not a movie that lasts two hours and a half. It's quite a short movie. And it's, it, it does exactly what it needs to, to do in regards to, as I said, developing the main character and developing the murder mystery thing and uh, giving you the chills. So, no, I, I thought it was really well done, honestly. And... Uh, the reason why I'm saying that and I finished that is that I thought about this movie the day after, <laughs> in the morning after. Death of the Nile, after watching it, I forgot about it an hour later. So that's a good sign. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Alfonso, you want to add something to this, to Haunting in Venice? Well, I I mostly agree with what Richard said, in especially, especially with what he said about the development of Kenneth Branagh character and how uh, well, I think, yeah, Michael Green, which I think it is the, the scriptwriter, uh, and quite a in demand lately. I think he has done a really good job of yeah. just uh, taking what he wanted and, and twisting it and making it, it was entertaining all the way through. Yeah. And think, also yeah. from a director's point of view, I don't know, I mean, uh, in this, in this, this time, Kenneth Branagh, I don't know if he did the other times, but this time I noticed that he did a little bit of um, 
this kind of fish eye where uh, you can see a lot of stuff because the sand and and it's a little bit distorted the image it was a choice i mean it, it is a it is a way to make rooms sometimes feel bigger and it's and it's and maybe it was i mean mysteries are usually set in a single place they are not especially this kind of whodunits as agatha christie has shown again and again even if it's um, a, a train that goes through different places but in the end you can film it on a sound stage on a on a stage basically and just implement the, the effects later so it's these movies are good to make during a pandemic basically during all the all the covid period and they have been churned out one after the other yeah i think it was uh, it is it does come off like almost like a play almost but um, some good new faces there as well as the just stunt casting but um definitely worth a catch i think definitely um you know, I, I enjoy that considering i didn't like the other ones okay well thanks for that uh richard and alfonso okay next i think another release currently medium one is uh and very topical is the creator and i think that is uh on the top of AI, obviously, it's a bit of the zeitgeist at the moment. Who uh, who saw the uh, the creator? Uh, oh, okay, uh, Andrew. Yep, and Richards. What did you What did you think? Um, um uh, well, I mean, generally, I liked it uh, for what it was. It was entertaining. A lot of um, you know, about good action, good. I mean, not the most original story, but I got into it, and uh, I thought John David Washington did an okay job. I mean, is he as good as his father? No, but he still does a decent job. But I know some people are kind of on him, but I thought he was alright in this film. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was it was decent. I I think the issue for me, well, there, there's two. There's uh, one that. Uh, it's kind of a common story of you know like with avatar and other things where someone who's supposed to be fighting against something kind of joins the other side but i guess to give a little bit more of a backstory here so i guess it was kind of like okay i get it at least with this character and the other thing is that and speaking of things that are derivative is a lot of people were comparing um there's this um, thing in the, basically the story is about uh, to set it up is there's AI in the near future. You have these human looking AI, human looking robots, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, and they're walking amongst humans and they're doing a lot of things on behalf of the humans. And, there's an incident, I say incident, there's a, something where a bomb goes off in LA, a nuclear device, and it's blamed on the AI, like on a rogue AI. So the president of the US in, in this you know, fictional universe goes on TV and says, okay, we're not gonna hunt down AI, we're banning AI, and we're gonna hunt down AI in this, a uh, rogue country in Southeast Asia where they're putting out this AI that we don't approve of and 
it's got such analogies to, I guess, 9-11, maybe, or 11-9, depending on how you look at it. Um, so uh, basically, the U.S. is at a war in Southeast Asia, which also sounds kind of familiar. The U.S.'s main weapon in this war, literally, is uh, something called Nomad. Uh, which is this flying fortress that can destroy things from orbit, which kind of sounds familiar. It's like, hmm, where have I heard this before? And, you know, and, and getting into that, specifically the director of this film, I guess, was it uh, Gareth, Gareth Edwards, I believe is his name, yeah. directed a certain film from that franchise about things being destroyed from orbit by flying fortress so at first i didn't really dwell on that but then you get without spoiling what happens at the end of the movie i was like okay yeah i've seen this before and the director has done this before so it's like yeah yeah i kind of i mean it's entertaining i thought it was pretty decent overall you know and brings up a lot of things about uh ai is it the best film on this topic? Probably not. I mean, there's probably better films on it. But I thought it was all right. And it looks really good visually. That Nothing else that it does looks great. I just felt like the whole, some of it just felt very derivative. And particularly the whole flying fortress thing, especially with the ending. Again, not spoiling, but you could probably see where this is going. Uh, it just felt very similar to other stuff that's been done and other stuff the director has done. So I'll sleep with that. So. Uh, I get the impression that it's a bit of a mismatch of certain familiar tropes from um, sci-fi of um, from the past. Um, but Richard, what did you think? Yeah, you kind of a uh, well, it's very very good points made by Andrew. But actually, I didn't think about to be honest until now, uh, especially the fortress thing. Uh, I didn't realize that after watching the movie. Thank you. Uh, that's very good points. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So. Uh, I, I, yeah, there are good and bad things to say about this movie. Uh, I mean, I, I said when I left the movie theater that it made me fall in love with movies again. Why I said that is because um, I, I spent the last year or so to watch much more TV shows than movies because I thought there are more things to find on the TV than the, in movies uh, 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 nowadays. And when I watched this movie, I was thinking, this is the reason why I'm going to the movie theater. This, is a mo this movie is the reason why I want to go to movie theater once again. Because obviously, this is a movie that you want to see movie theater. There's a reason. It's visually stunning. For the money they spent, I, I, everybody is saying the same thing online about that, obviously. But it must be a mistake. It can't be such a cheap movie. And... Uh, and, and looks so good. I mean, it, that's crazy when you think about it. When you look at the the, the budgets, but of other movies this year or last year, etc., and they don't look as good as this one for sure. So, um, but yeah, that's visually that's one of the maybe maybe the most beautiful movie I've seen this year. I know there was Oppenheimer, but I'm much more impressed by this one than Oppenheimer, to be honest. Mm, okay. um, now for the story itself. That's for sure. The story and also other things is definitely a lot of inspirations from a lot of sci-fi stuff that we have seen in the last 40 years. That's guarantee. Um, it's not a spoiler to say that 
I noticed, but I'm pretty sure people, other people here have noticed other things. Well, Andrew mentioned some of them, but Blade Runner, um, Aliens. For me, there was clearly a, a, a few scenes about that looked like a lot like Aliens, and also, and that's something I want to say talk about. And also, not the scene, but the 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 vibe of the movie made me think about District Nine, a movie by uh, Neil Blomkamp. Um, so it's a different story, District Nine for sure. Uh, but the vibe when I say that actually, I said it's a low budget movie, also District Nine, and it is a way, it is in a way the the fight between humans and another species. Uh, but the way actually that the AI is portrayed in this movie, the way they the robots are behaving and um, are treated, you can see some similarities. And I wouldn't be surprised if the director was Neil Brunken. Um, now, that being said, it's interesting because there is a parallel here between the career of Neil Blomkamp, in a way, and Gareth Edwards, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that I think that Neil Blomkamp, for example, is now nowhere to be seen. I don't know what happened to this guy. And he, I, I, I mean, he was supposed well, he, to have a great career. He was supposed to be... I think he, to do an he, alien he, at he, some point. he did Gran Turismo. Yeah, he directed ah, Gran Turismo. Wow. That was it. Yeah, okay. that's what I didn't know. Okay, yeah. enough. But because so far I thought actually that he was he, the Hollywood doors will open to to him after uh, two thousand nine uh, District Nine, but for such a long time there was nothing. I didn't know. Okay, it was he did uh, Gran Turismo, but in a way you can see that these two guys have uh, a lot of talent. Anyway, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was attached to an alien five or whatever at some point, but uh, nothing happened unfortunately. But anyway. Um, but yeah, and Gareth Edwards, you can see that he did only, I think, two and a half movies in the last 10 years. So you can see potential, as I say, but there is definitely something that they need to prove still to everyone. And I'm not sure that with the creator, Gareth Edwards is proving that he can be like a bankable or... A, a huge se seller uh, for Hollywood. What I mean is that the box office results are not that great, but not only that, is that at least like District 9, again, I felt that the creator had a lot of potential as a story, as a universe, but it didn't go all the way. What I mean is that there was a lot, a lot of potential in the story. I wanted to know more about the story, but in a space of two hours, that's not enough. And but I hate to say that because it means that yeah, what we need free a trilogy or whatever. No, 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 no. I just say that actually that I don't know if it's a problem of writing or it should have been a TV show. I don't know. But I felt actually that there were much more stories to tell. Um yeah, I don't know. The 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 fact that the AI, again, I'm trying not to go to spoilers, but the the AI was being blamed for something very important in the movie, uh, that there was clearly a, a metaphor of American imperialism and uh, that AI was being discriminated, etc. These could have been topics that could have been developed much more, but in the end, they're not really much, not, not developed a lot. They are focusing so much on this character that I couldn't care less, played by uh, the son of Denzel Washington. But actually, they forgot, in my opinion, to de deal with much more interesting topics. 
so yeah so that's uh, my okay. all right then okay um james you did see it a few times i'll just quickly if you wanted to talk about the creator i know you did see it a few times you were a bit enamored with it i think more so it was yeah i did really love it both times and i did see i saw things the second time that i sort of missed the first time uh good and bad i think um i mean i do i i don't disagree with any of those points i did say in the chat i don't think it's original in a way at all but i think the fact that it is derivative i can see that 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 will rub some people up the wrong way but for me it felt like someone who'd kind of watched all these iconic sci-fis over the years and de had deliberately put little references into each thing. So I was completely aware quite early on that The Nomad is sort of like the Death Star. But I think this film, you know, there's elements in it of 2001, Alien and Blade Runner have been mentioned. Um, there is a there is a verbal reference to Terminator 1 and 2, and I think th there's elements of Terminator 2 in there as well. The police uh, are referred to as Robocops at one point. Um, it certainly sort of references Spielberg's AI. I think the Neil Blomkamp stuff completely, it reminded me visually of, of District 9, which is one of the newest ones, and Arrival as well, I think, and Ghost in the Shell. All, the, all those films, it sort of sta it, I think it knows it's standing on the shoulders of. Um, but whether it's got anything original in it, like Arrival, that it will be the best sci-fi film of this decade i don't i don't think so but i think in terms of spectacle it just looks amazing it really does it and all the effects look very they're clearly cgi effects but they look very like practical they look like they're part of the world and i think i personally i i'm getting so tired of very cgi looking effects in in a lot oh. of films that i found that sort of a, a breath of fresh air it certainly could have done more with the um, some of the the themes and things, but I, I quite liked how much of the human story that that, that was in there. So I really liked um, John Washington's sort of relationship with the kid in it. I thought Anson Janney or Janey, I don't know how you pronounce her name, but was really good as as an antagonist in it. Um, and there was little moments of more moments of humour than I expected in it as well. So I I did really enjoy it. I said it was in my top five films of the year. I actually checked, and it's probably just outside of that at the moment. So I don't know where it'll it'll land. And it's a shame about the box office because I think people are missing out on a fun blockbuster. But you know, maybe, maybe it'll get maybe it'll get um, a bit of a fan sort of appreciation on on streaming like Dread did. Well, um, considering let's say. John Washington, I think. I think his next release was uh, his father, obviously. Denzel Washington was in the Equalizer 3 that came out this quite within the last month. Um, James? I did enjoy it. I thought, you know, it's it's been a good, solid trilogy, all done by the same director as well. Um, Denzel Washington definitely adds a touch of class to proceedings as uh, this started as a TV series, and I think it would be a worse, worse franchise without him. It, it's definitely the most violent 15-rated franchise. So in the UK, we it, they've all got 15 ratings, and the BBFC advice is hilarious because they just ignore everything violent that happens and say, oh, there's shootings and stabbings, so it's a 15. And it's got one of the most graphic opening sequences i think i can can remember um 
Yeah, the the all. Um, I'd be interested to hear what what Richard's got to say about it because you said the second one was your favourite. I mean, I'd have to maybe watch them all together. I think the first one is probably still my favourite one, and I'm glad they're not going to keep doing them. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. Right, thanks. Okay, uh, Richard, you want to add to that? You you liked it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I enjoyed the uh, Vic was a free. Uh, as I said before, yeah, because the two for me is my favorite one of the three. Um, for sure, without Denzel Washington, these movies would never, never actually work at the box office, in my opinion, because it's. I mean, probably, probably another actor could do a good job. But in the end, they are very simple action movies where you just wait for the main character to heal in another different way, someone else, and the next scene. I mean, you're just counting, oh, how is he going to kill this guy? How is he going to kill this guy? Um, which is fine. I mean, John Wick was fun as well in that way. Um, but yeah, no, as I said, as uh, James was saying, yeah, uh, Desert Washington Charisma is one of the best actors of all time. Definitely uh, adds uh, and makes these movies, uh, make this movie works. Why I said that Equalizer 2 is my favorite one? Because in the end, the third one is very simple in regards to the plot. It's just, well, I'm not going to spoilers, but he's in a very small town in Italy or Sicily. No, Italy, it's in close Naples. And uh, and in a way, he's trying to have a normal life, but actually things go wrong, obviously, and he has to go back to be his old self. The second one was, for me, there are much more stories within the same movie. Um, again, I'll try to avoid spoilers, but the second one for me, there was two, almost three stories, where, and Desert Washington was at his peak. You had... Uh, you had him trying to help his neighbor, a teenager, trying to prevent him from going to in the wrong path to join a gang, and uh, and in that in that storyline, there is one of the best scenes I've ever seen, and I'm not even joking. One of the best scenes I've ever seen when he is actually talking to this teenager, trying to uh, lecture him, let's say, and in a way, he's the father figure that that guy, that kid, never had, and that scene you can find it on YouTube. But honestly, that scene should be seen by all kids all around the world, to be honest, because it, it has more impact, in my opinion, on teenagers than going to school. I shouldn't say that on podcasts, but <laughs> but that, that's my opinion. Uh, and that, that's one storyline. But you have the second storyline of a friend of his who is being killed and then investigates. And there are some twists on who killed that person. And again, he has some great scenes when you find out who is a killer. Um there is so many great moments in Equalizer 2. In Equalizer 3, I'm not sure that there is a great moment of acting by Denzel Washington, but it's just by, but thanks to his natural <laughs> acting skills, every time he's on screen is amazing. But yeah, that's okay. why I liked Equalizer 2 yeah. more. Yeah, I think it makes it half watchable, this, um, this uh, franchise. Although it was a TV show of Edward Woodward, you can catch that back in the day, which was, I think, in the 80s. Right, um, Boiling Point was recently on. I know, James, you saw that. Uh, that's the uh, TV series, I think, um, from the original kind of one-take movie. Um, what did you 
What did you? What was the TV show like? I think it just started an episode. Well, I saw I saw forty minutes of it. I'll be honest, Jason. Um, and that that's a bit a bit unfair. So yeah, Boiling Point it started as a um short film and then become like a feature film. Um, it's set in a London restaurant. Um, with Stephen Graham as the head chef. Uh, and it's it was all shot in one take, and it sort of has a, a very pressured night in a, a high class uh, restaurant. And people loved it, I think, unanimously. It's a very sort of popular film. They, they announced this four part drama series. It starts with a fifteen minute um, unbroken take in the restaurant, and you think, yes, we're back, and it, it brings your anxiety up again. You know, who's going to drop a plate? Who's going to spill a glass of wine down someone's shirt? Thank God I don't work in a restaurant. All those feelings are coming back. And then 15 minutes and you get the um, the opening credit sequence, which is fine. And then we cut to Stephen Graham, who is in his flat having, sorry, but we're talking about the TV show, so, but having survived the heart attack that he has at the end of the film. Um, and then we go back to the restaurant where there are so many cuts that it becomes almost jarring because we, we're used to not having these cuts. In the, and obviously it's TV, right? You can't, there's a much higher turnover and I understand that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do it all in one take, but you'd think that they could maybe stitch it together like in 1917 uh, or just have like when they're in one location um, in the restaurant, in the kitchen rather, and then in the front of house that, that it would maybe cut between those. Um, and I will go back to it, but I felt a little bit disappointed that that was one of the things that really made the TV show great, uh, the film great. And that, that they sort of just thrown that out a little bit, it feels to me. But I am quite invested in the characters, all the various members of, of staff and stuff. So I will go back to it. But I did feel a little bit let down that that's what the TV show is going to be. Um, Charles, you've got your hand up. You want to add to that? Hey, uh, um, yeah, I watched the film and I thought it was great. Um I've done a bit of hospitality work. I'm obviously not hard enough to be a chef, but I've been around that environment. And it is quite hardcore and it can go wrong very quickly and stuff. Um, I was going to say that the, the only thing I remember from university is someone saying that the, the Iliad is written in a paratactic way, which means that it's like, do, 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 do. Like, it's sort of like split. It's like splintered. So you've got these, so you've got something like, the, the guy stabbed, the, the guy chopped the guy's head off and then a horse ran past and then someone who was the son of like Laertes said hi and then someone else's head got through. So, but I, I was just thinking in the kitchen environment whether it would be, if you're in there the whole time, whether it would be, whether it would be like that, whether it would be like splintered, like splintered reality where you've got, where it's like that or whether it would become like a continuous thing. I mean, it's probably both, but I'm looking forward to seeing the TV series because it'd be interesting to see, yeah, like how, how that would relate sort of just to see those two styles maybe. Yeah. It, it was uh, it definitely, you know, one of those key landmark when, when boiling point that there's a short movie, they sh a short little movie they did initially, then they did that feature length, but again, all in one take, but, there's, I think it does kind of present that whole pressure of real time cooking, and if kind of like you know, it, it, it's things are going simultaneously, and it, it, I think it was quite a remarkable achievement. The fact that they did it, and maybe it's, it's a bit, maybe you can't keep doing it as a series, but still, it was, it's it's just phenomenal. It, it's just the tension you just feel because 
you're going from crisis to crisis and it's quite a unique vision so maybe it's lost a bit of the tv series but i don't know i'll, I'll give it a go anyway all right thanks uh, charles um right so um we'll cover um if you've got any titles that you've seen then raise your hands and i uh well someone has it's uh gene yeah Long time no see. I just wanted to follow up on um, the Boiling Point series. Uh, thanks, James, for raising that. I forgot that that was actually coming out. Um, but I just wanted to say, like, obviously, um, shows and films about, you know, working in restaurants, like, really popular right now, uh, with Hulu's um, The Bear, which I think is, like, the best example of it, um, with its recent season. Um, but I feel like even though Boiling Point, like one of the kind of draws of the film was that illusion of like the one take, I do still think that the cast is so strong um, that it can definitely carry the series, especially because they're not doing the American thing of like dragging it on for 26 episodes or whatever. They're just doing like a four parter, I think. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing it and like checking it out. Um, but I think this, there was enough story and enough great like performances to carry the show so I'm really excited but yeah I I think I I mentioned last year that like the triple bill of uh the boiling point movie and the bear and the menu which is another film about cooking <laughs> would be a, a really intense insight into working in a kitchen of various uh various types I guess yeah, yeah that's cool yeah thanks yeah yeah I forgot the menu that's good with like Ralph Fiennes in that again another kind of like Almost like a horror murder murder mystery kind of like yeah. kind of like horror show, but uh, yeah, um, that, that's a good good title. Thanks for that. Right. Um. So um, there have been quite a few releases also on TV. Um. I'll quickly go. I think I did just. I'll talk about. I could talk about Gen V, which is the boys. Um, kind of a spin-off series. If anyone's seen Boys on uh, Amazon, which is. A nice little kind of satire on the age of superheroes and what would they would happen in real life if they were corporately imagined. Probably how like almost like film stars would be if the equivalents of superheroes. This is you know what, what, you know an absolute power corrupting absolutely. Uh, I get, get uh, Gen V, which I just saw recently. I guess is based in the high school setting of those who are auditioning to get into that group, and it's. Um, doesn't pull its punches on that. It it's got. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I was I was, I was fearing it was going to be a bit cheesy and a bit, you know you can't really replicate the boys you know with that very adult kind of like themes to it. But it does go in places that you don't expect to see on a TV show. Anyone else see that? Uh, four participants raise their hand. Yes, let's see who. Alfonso, you saw. Uh, yeah. Gen B. What did you think? You're familiar with the well, boys. Obviously. I have, I have, I have, I haven't, I have just watched a few episodes of the boys. I, I want to continue with that. I just wanted to check out the GMV because I felt like superheroes plus this kind of uh, crazy tone plus university could be a great ex excess. So I, I just wanted to know what what it was about and how how far would would they push it. And they push it, but it's they also restrain it a little bit. So it's not, it's watchable. It's uh, it also has that kind of thing that same as Wednesday, where a mystery, let's say, and uh, secret things or like orchestrate the 
the the main plot. I mean, there is a, some kind of mystery going on in that university, which the main characters have to uh, investigate, and that kind of make makes you like also have some kind of storyline that you can follow apart from like all the hijinks of being a superhero and being with the hormones and the violence of the boys and everything inside that place that is so uh, such a parody also of like public image and uh, reality versus what everyone wants to make it look like for the camera so i enjoyed it basically and i'm gonna keep watching yeah, yeah it's, just, it's got like, a watchability to it so quite a hard act to follow the uh, boys but which is uh if you haven't caught that and then catch that right um oh let's see there's a few other people just did you want to mention sorry something on gen b before going on andrew or g did you did yeah you um i mean i liked it so far it's only the uh first three episodes but you know, it ends on a cliffhanger of the third episode, so it's like, okay, what happens next? That kind of thing. Uh, being a spinoff of The Boys, I pretty much knew what to expect and knew that kind of tone and uh, their dark humor. But I think for me, uh, you know, what makes it unique, and I think it was already touched on by Alfonso and anyone else, as uh, being set up the university at Godolkin University, and their nods to the boys, events of the boys, I guess it's set after season three. Uh, like, I think they referenced those events. Um, and there is a season four of the boys that's, I guess, coming out next year. Uh, it's already been filmed. Anyway, uh, but Gen V, bringing up uh, a lot of the issues that young people face. You have for each episode, there's like a warning or something like caution uh, this episode contains scenes of self-harm or scenes of suicide or scenes of whatever they're getting to spoilers there's a lot of that it's also body image and body positivity so uh, a lot of just issues that young people face also issues of i guess race but also issues of uh, gender identity uh there's a character where that's kind of a, a factor. So, and and it just makes you think about, because on the boys, you have the whole thing about compound B and they take compound B, uh, this chemical substance, whatever that gives them superpowers. But here you have people who give into it as children, babies or whatever and you see the impact the effects that it has and you know you think oh superpowers is great having all that and you find out the effects that it has both physical and psychological and it's not such a good thing and you could also use it for real life the idea of you see these fake videos or real videos in the universe but fake videos for us promoting Godolkin University, see them on YouTube, you know, come to Godolkin University and do this and do that. And the idea of like, oh, wow, it looks like a wonderful, fantastic place. And then you scratch beneath the surface uh, and you find out, oh, no, it's not such a wonderful place. And that's something that they're touching on in terms of the plot and the story, getting to like, you know, what's really going on 
and you, you get a sense that that's what they're going to focus on for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I like it so far. I'm kind of curious where it's going to be headed next. So okay. that's where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, Gene, you had your hand up. You wanted to mention. Yeah, um, I just like to say, so I didn't realize that there were three episodes already out. Actually, I only watched the first two. Uh, it's tough because I love the boys. I really do. It's a great series. I'm a huge fan of it, and I like its like alternative take on like the superhero genre. Um, but the spinoff is like a good show, but like I don't care. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, <laughs> it's a good show. Like objectively, it's good, and like I'm having a good time, I guess. But like, if as soon as the episode is finished, I can't name a single character. I can't really remember what happened moments ago. Like it's bizarre. Yeah. Like I'm, I've just checked out. It's weird. I don't There's know. No kind of like big arc that you. This is the main thrust of the story. It's more like this happens. Yeah. This might be connected to this. It's kind of like high school. Is it drama? Is it tea? I know it's an adult, some comedic, dark humor into it, but it's like, yeah, I know that's the boy, that's the thing, but you know, the boys, yeah. or it has, does that, but it has this big story arc it's telling, and you, that's the narrative, like spine to it. But this, it's, this it's is like it's they haven't, the place. it's like they haven't left the CW a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. Right. It's kind of, yeah. Um, you know, CW by proxy of the boys, but it's a college series though. I wanted to, to correct. It's a college series, not high school. And the reason why I mention it is because I've always had a gripe with Hollywood, um, like depicting like young teenagers that are, like supposed to be 14, 15, and like 25 year olds. <laughs> like that's always annoyed me. So at least it's a college series. Yeah. As it is um, not like a high school that looks like they are in the 20 something yeah. storylines, just going yeah. to pubs. And getting high and like having exactly. lots of sex and like euphoria, yeah, or, yeah, or, <laughs> exactly. or any elite or like all these yeah. places where or or Gossip Girl, like every yeah, single episode ends with a party. Yeah, you are always going to a party. Every episode has to end with a party or event. Exactly. When I was a teenager, I was like, where are these parties at? Like, why am I not invited <laughs> to these parties? No, when he's doing homework. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Why are you doing homework? Hardly any lessons or lectures they're going to once. So, you know, like, no. it's like four minutes and then class is yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so and- I'm glad at least it's in college. Although I do find it funny that the uni seems to only offer two courses, either crime fighting or like like media like you know being a media personality i think like that's the only two options that you you get in the uni yeah it's that will leave like, oh, yeah okay. so, they, they have no amount they, they they never run out of people to publicize in the media or superheroes like a whole university can go and be exactly <laughs> there's uh, it's like maybe it's a it's a kind of critique to the obsession with uh, the Marvel and DC universe of the world. I hope so. Yeah. It, it, it's coming the thing that is parodying almost. You know, that's the only kind of fear about. That's know, the thing. Universe. That's the thing. How far can you extend the universe before you become yeah. the thing that you're you're parodying? Because there was also the animated series, which I also was checked out on. Like again, yeah. there were some good episodes. Yeah. But overall, I was like, I don't care. You know, it's just not the original. Yeah, it's kind so, of like side stories about character little 
moments. But interesting, yeah. but then again, yeah, it's just its moment, but then you just forget it, you know. Exactly. It doesn't have the lasting power that the original series does. But this show is good. It is decent if you're interested. It's just like, I personally don't care, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the uh, poster. <laughs> yeah, good, but decent, don't care. But <laughs> um, I did mention, I did uh, a bit of a word of mouth that was, I wasn't familiar, but I did catch it. And this was a, I want to say a cartoon, but it was actually a live action uh, adaptation of a manga series on Netflix, which uh, was One Piece, which I did catch an episode. A lot of what, maybe is anyone here more familiar with than I am, but um, uh, One Piece is a, kind of like this uh, manga where it's a uh, set in a world where everyone is basically uh, embarking on a career of piracy, i.e. the high seas and treasure hunting. So it's kind of very kind of, rip, you know, kind of a rip-roaring adventure, but uh, a lot of word of mouth, so I did catch it, catch up with it, and it's uh, got some really good reviews, and it was quite a lot of fun. Anyone else see One Piece? No, anyone? No, 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 just me. Well, I, I kind of thought, you know, for a new IP, uh, which well, it's I know it's got a manga kind of like fan base, but it was like this is quite fun. It's something if you're looking for now, we're you know in an age of where. We're relying on very aged and, you know, IPs which are slowly getting really, you know, a bit thin. Um, this was a good thing to see and I can see why it was popular, but it's quite encouraging that, you know, so we can get behind. But yeah, it's basically a kind of like a, a piracy on the high seas, but the whole kind of like country seems to be obsessed with it. And, you know, everyone, so everyone has a ship or can have a ship or part of a crew and all that. So it's quite, quite fun. I think check it out if you, if you like it. But even if you're not familiar with any of the manga stuff, but I kind of like yeah, so I can see why it's got good one of that. Right. Um, I think we can go around. If anyone uh, has anything that we have not talked about, anyone, now's the time to raise your hands and I'll. Uh, Noel, have you seen anything that you want to mention in particular? No. Um, not really. I know that um, a show that I like, The Rookie, I haven't gotten to season five yet, but apparently it's the best season yet. This was already a very good show. It's an American uh, police show. It's lighthearted. And apparently season five is like the best they've ever done. Um, so I'll be checking that out. But other than that, I don't really keep track of the streaming services other than Disney Plus and Ahsoka wow. is a bit of a double-edged yes, sword. Yes, <laughs> we will uh, definitely do an end of season Ahsoka, which will... <laughs> I think come towards end, and I think quite an interesting little barometer was happening with that IP. That's the old IP. Very interesting times, let's say, with um, that. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll come back to that in another episode. Um, all right, and thanks everyone. I think we've just kind of like uh, covered everything for this last month. But until then, thank you, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this film and TV review.com episode. Catch the latest film and TV reviews, together with regular episode content from the world of film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options.
Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.